Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi everybody, it's Marsha and we have a great show today and I have a co-host today, Elizabeth. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you oh, doing? Oh, good, good. I have someone to share this with today. <laughs> Yes. I think I'll just sit back and relax. But uh, anyway, it's going to be a good show. Elizabeth, whenever she's on, it's always a great show. She brings the really great guests, and um, we have really great guests today. And we're going to talk about the new book that they have. Uh, it's an anthology. So um, I will talk about that in a minute. I think this happy holidays to everybody, and uh, Hanukkah's all over already, so I can't say that anymore. So um, happy holidays, and we have one more show for the year, and that's next Tuesday. But my I changed my show to Thursdays now, but next, well, God knows why I changed it to Tuesday, but I may have a show next week on Tuesday. So uh, <laughs> next week, it's on children's authors. It's the last show of the year. I can't believe it's the last show of the year. It's strange, isn't it, I, Elizabeth? I can't believe we're talking about that already. Yeah, but, um, the year just flew by. I know this really did, because uh, we're all having such a good time <laughs> during COVID. So, but we're getting oh, we're moving yeah. along. And, you know, so hopefully, starting in January, maybe things will start looking really better. And uh, we'll be having different kind of shows next year, uh, a lot of the same shows, a lot of the same guests, because I love having a lot of the same guests, because they bring new information, and everybody's always writing and doing different things. So I'm learning from all of our authors that we have on. And I did have a show on breast cancer a few, well, actually now that was in October, but uh, the EYS magazine, that's an international magazine that I write for, is... um, a triumph of, of women that have survived breast cancer. So that came out, and it turned out really well. That two people were interviewed. I interviewed them, and they're survivors. And um, so I think it's a big thing. People haven't been getting mammograms, so go and get your mammograms and um, read the article because these women are surviving, you know, really tough times, but they're doing really well. One of them, it's like 15 years already. So it's good, you know. So that part is the treatment for that. So that was what happened in October. And so now we're going to have a fun show today um, about horror writers writing and selling their fiction. So, Elizabeth, do you want to introduce the people that you have brought this, you know, brought to yeah, – every time you bring people, it's great, you know. I mean, and we'll talk about that later about horror and um, – Oh, yeah. Why I, I, I changed why I changed the title of the show to Writing and Selling Fiction because I didn't want people not to meet the great people that write horror, mm-hmm. including yourself. So. Yeah. Okay. So um, let me I, introduce everybody. Okay. Good. Uh, okay. Well, well. First off, I need to make an announcement myself. I am the new media director for the Horror Zine, and that's at theHorrorZine.com. So great. Um, head on over, and there's a a lesson by Joe Lansdale right now, some fiction, including with Joe Lansdale, and there's poetry and artwork. So there's a new issue every month, and it's always for free. So there's that. That's my that's my. I know, new right. And the, I should say the magazine, the EYS, that's also free. So, you know, mm-hmm. what? send mm-hmm. me the links always, uh, Elizabeth, and I'll put them out, okay? Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, let me introduce our guest. Um, up first, I'll have Sonora Taylor. Okay, her bio. Sonora Taylor is the award-winning author of Seeing Things, Little Paranoia, Stories, Without Condition, and More. 
Her short stories have been published by Burial Day Press, Cemetery Gates Media, Tales to Terrify, Candisha Press, and others. Her latest book, Someone to Share My Nightmares, Stories, is now available. She lives in Arlington, Virginia with her husband and rescue dog. Okay, next up is Josh Darling, is an award-winning, best-selling author. The main focus of his work is horror with a few entries in the crime genre. His short works have been published in the Book End Review, The Horror Zine, and numerous anthologies. Born on Long Island, he has traveled the U.S. extensively searching for experience. Currently, he lives in Bennington, Vermont. Aaron Lydia Prime is the next on the list. Okay, Lydia Prime is a New Jersey-born creature of the night. Her short story, Sadie, published in Candice Press's Under Her Black Wings, 2020 Women in Horror Anthology, won the 23rd Critters Annual Reader's Poll for Best, short, best Horror Short Story 2020. Congratulations, by the way. And yes. when Lydia isn't releasing monstrosities from her mind, she happily helps others work <laughs> with their brain filters through custom editing services. On random Fridays, she offers free, faulty advice to those in need. Charitable oh, and brilliant. What a gal. That's pretty cool. And that's uh, yeah. all three guests. All three of us have stories in From the Depths, which is published by Silent Hill Press. And the Kindle version is available right now for 99 cents. And there are some very, very fine stories in this, including a, uh, a forward by you know, the horror master, Ramsey Campbell. Okay. So so why, don't you read, why don't you read the foreword? So we'll, then we'll, after you read the foreword, we'll talk, we'll talk to everybody because you said it was really good. So, and he's a yeah. very interesting author, extremely. Okay, well, well, here is what Mr. Campbell had to say about each of us. Okay, for Sonora's story, Meet Me in the Cemetery. Okay, Sonora Taylor seizes our attention with an inspired image three lines in. Not that those preceding are uninspired. It's just the first instance of her admirable dexterity and succinctness, which border on the classical. The tale trembles between lyricism and the macabre, a productive combination. But when it's ready to deliver shock, it doesn't hold back. Does the res- resolution represent ecology gone mad, or is it speaking for the earth? And now for Lid- uh, Aaron Prime, her story, Hazel Hill. Here's what he had to say. An ominous quotation can seed the mind with dread, and Lydia Prime's contribution opens with a splendidly suggestive instance before apparently shifting to a human level. Soon we learn that Una is bringing her own problems to a problematic place. Jagged characters surround her with emotional distractions well before the alien reveals itself, which is soon. Alas, the truth is easily dismissed as a mental aberration, all too believably, all too believable a ploy. After all, who wants to accept the monstrous? Before long, we're in the territory of William Burroughs' science fiction, and Prime's overwhelming physical realism is at least equal to his. In an especially chilling development, the protagonist virtually vanishes from the narrative before the end. And about Josh Darling's story, Missing Pieces, Josh Darling opens with an affectionate declaration no reader of a book like ours could trust, or would trust, especially when we learn that a destination is called Killington. The machine gun prose confounds us by juggling viewpoints, even an equine one, until it settles on a person, the first, but not attempts while it accumulates details of a series of monstrous events. Enigma lies in wait, and nothing human is proof against it. What could be scarier? And finally, what uh, Mr. Campbell had to say about my story, Weeds. Elizabeth Black's pests must plague many a gardener, and indeed, any of us who relish a weedless garden, but given the book wherein, greater monstrousness is guaranteed. Mutation is an everyday threat these days. Perhaps it always was, and we didn't notice, but now we can hardly ignore what we have to fight, how we have to fight the world. Vegetation could be the creeper that does us in with symptoms like those E.A. Black's tail gathers with oppressively convincing vividness, but the defense might be worse than the threat. In the, end of her, in the end of her relentless nightmare, we may welcome a hint of hope as much as her luckless protagonist does. Wow. So you know what? I, you, know, the, you know, it's, it, all of you 
should be so happy to have it, and you know, and you can use that, you know, when you promote yourself. That's what I would do. Put it oh, on Facebook because that's great. I am. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. because I mean, it, it really matters when somebody that is that successful writes such nice things about each mm-hmm. of you. So I would use that. That's great because you know, uh-huh. people don't get that all the time. Oh yeah, for sure. I had like a fucking heart attack when I read the the forward stuff we wrote for my story. Right. I was like, wow, William Burroughs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's important, you know. What you know, I think that most of us know how hard marketing is, but when you know, and sometimes we don't put out what we should about ourselves because sometimes you say, oh, maybe it's too much. But honestly. Sometimes it's not enough because you don't know who sees it and you don't know who scrolls down and who sees it when or if they see it. Mm-hmm. Does everybody have those issues when they're marketing? Because it's so important to market. I hate marketing, but I do it. So how do you all feel about that when you're marketing? I definitely talk about it personally. I'm the worst at keeping up with, with marketing. Um so I, I definitely find a lot of struggles in, in finding time and desire to want to promote myself. <laughs> but promoting other yeah, people, I think I, I, yeah, it's hard. Uh, you know, right? I, you know, some people market. You know, you market. You have to market, but we don't love it. But you know, it really matters. I mean, but you know, to get yourself. But like Elizabeth and I were mentioning before, we all, you know, we all have books. A lot of us with ninety nine cents. So I mean. How much, you know, this is this is the thing. People want things for free, but ninety nine cents is like almost free. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. all it's you know, and they should try an author, you know, or uh, certainly an anthology because then stories are good. I think people like that. Uh, how do you all feel about that? You know, have you all written stories before? Well, I know Elizabeth has, but have you all done this before? Shorter stories and not a book, and been in anthologies. Sonora, have you? Yeah, I have. Um, I actually, uh, my first book I put out was a short story collection. It was four stories, and it was called The Crow's Gift and Other Tales. Uh, I usually write more short stories than full-length novels, even though I've written three of those and I'm working on a fourth. Um, and I've actually worked with Lydia several times on books and Candisha and Candisha Press. And I forget, Lydia, were you in um, Quoth the Raven with me? Or am I making that I was up? Not, actually. I was not. What? I wasn't actually. I think you're oh, only uh, I'm sorry. Like, like, I, I thought for some reason. <laughs> well, that's good. You can make it up because we won't know the difference, right? <laughs> we'll accept. We, we accept anything anybody says on the show. <laughs> we don't check everything. Oh, well, then I was in an anthology with Stephen King last month. You know, okay, started. that's great. <laughs> There's nobody here probably that wouldn't want to be with him in an anthology. Even if they don't write horror or even if they don't write horror fiction. Josh, how do you feel about that? Marketing and marketing yourself with, you know, different things. So um, I've had a very unique experience where um, I wrote a short story and it became a bestseller on Amazon and I did no work. <laughs> oh, that worked. How did have any So, yeah, that, that's actually how, uh, how that worked out for me. But I've been, I've been reading a lot lately on marketing because I'm getting ready to put out my first collection. And um, one of the things I'm finding and, and reading more and more is actually – uh, targeting as smallest audiences as possible, as well as like you know not necessarily pushing as hard for ads, and trying to yeah. create kind of almost like a, a one-on-one, uh, almost like a cult. I can say cult. So, I mean, why, what made you want to do that though? I mean, what you just feel that uh, you get closer, closer yeah. to your right to your audience. Well, it's also, you know, I mean, if you get people who really believe in you, then they start kind of selling for you. That's that's true. That That is true. Versus like, true. oh, hey, I sent an ad out to a million people. Well, I mean, we see ads all day for toilet bowl cleaner or 
plastic wrap or whatever, and it doesn't really phase us. We don't go, oh, yeah, you know what? I need cling wrap over a saran wrap. So it's, it's a good it's way to look at what, it, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a yeah. good way to look at it. You're right, because that is what we all need is we need fans, mm-hmm. you know, and people that really and, like our work rather than just say, I like this, or they just – they don't even share now, so they like it, and or they scroll down, and you know. But I guess that's how it is now, you know. But I think that might yeah. not be a bad idea in a lot of ways to start out that way, and then they'll help you if they like your work. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I I read books because somebody told me to read it, not because I saw an ad for it. You know? Right. Yeah. And that's somebody's true. like, oh my god, that this is, is so good. Let me share it with you. Uh, well, that's the big way that most books are sold is by uh, word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's, it's, it's hard to get that, but it does It's happen. very hard. It's got to be hard of mouth. Yeah. Lydia? And, yeah, that's just I'm, what I'm looking at. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Josh, no, finish. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, I'm just trying to cultivate that as, you know. Because I, I think that's that, probably the best way to do I think for a new, a, well, when you're not, when you've done this a long time, it's really hard. And when, in like my own life, I'm very confusing to myself. So I think that's a problem for me, but um, because I've written in other genres, I think it's good if you stick to a genre in some respects because I think you can get an audience. I, I think it's hard when you skip around and you do different things. I think it's very hard to get a, like a stable audience that is looking to really find you. You know, rather than and read everything you've written, rather than you go from erotic to horror to, uh, but which Elizabeth does well though. You have a lot of different genres, but I think it's harder for people to adjust to keep if you keep moving along. You know, Lydia, how do you feel about that? Do you do that? You know, I you feel like pretty much. I kind of just float between horror and and sort of like a morbid comedy. You know. <laughs> Um, okay. So it's like dark comedy, dark comedy. Yeah, yeah that, that works. You know, I think that works together. Yeah, it does sometimes. Sometimes it's a, it's a little weird, but you know, it's definitely much. Well, more we can't say that authors and writers are not weird. I mean, we all have our own thing. That's why you know, when you're on a show like this, we all understand each other. But when we're with our own friends who don't do this they have no idea what we've been talking about <laughs> probably you know and it's very different to talk to people that aren't writers they don't view things the same way we do they don't you know and then, I mean, then we are horror writers and we view things differently from everybody else anyway it's easy what did you say i didn't hear you i'm sorry Oh, I said that we're also horror writers, and so we tend to look at things a little differently from everybody else anyway. That's true. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true because because you have the boundaries are wide open. You know, but when you're writing, like, say, romantic comedy, what I write, it's really, you, you, it's really kind of limited. You can't go too far or not far. You know, you really can't. They don't let you in those, you know, in that market. They only want a certain, they, they're, what they like is just what your type of writing that you can't put in something unusual because then it won't be what they're, want, you know, wanting to. Yeah, there's a formula. Yeah, it's a formula more, right. You know, but, you know, I do all kinds of writing, and I think horror writing, though, I think that more people, you know, I call it sometimes dark fiction or, you know, more like a thriller type because I think sometimes people think it's like just slashing, and that really isn't what it is, you know. you know, it, That's where people get the wrong idea. So when you talk about how to, does anybody want to take this question about how you feel about when trying to, like people ask you what you write and they go, oh, horror. So how do you feel about that? What do you say to them? <laughs> Sonora? <laughs> you could take that. Well, if you want, I, or I Lydia, Josh, or Elizabeth? Well, I, I was thinking about that because honestly when I say I write horror people don't judge it. I, I don't really see people acting like horror is bad or wrong. I mean, yep. maybe it's just the people I'm surrounded by, but right, right. I, I mean, even even my most, like, norm core people in my life, for lack of a better term, I guess they're also just not really surprised because, I mean, it's not like I walk around rough, like, you know, um, like Frankenstein's monster or something, but, like, they know I'm into, like, 
spooky things or Halloween and stuff. So, you know, when I say, oh, I write horror, people are like, oh, okay, cool. Um, I, I do, I will say, I think sometimes people think though, when I say, they say I write horror, they think I'm writing like monsters or slashers or something like you're saying. And right. um, especially like if I'm friends with people who don't really read it, they're like, oh, I'm just not really into horror. But my right. stuff See, that's to be a bit that's more, right, right. a bit more in line with dark fiction, like you said. So, yeah. um, you know, I do, I think in my experience, I would just say it's important to let people know that it is a multifaceted genre. It's not just The Shining or um, Frankenstein. It, there's a lot to it. Yeah, multifaceted, like that's so. a good way like to put that. Music, yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Anything goes on that. Right. It's, you know, like The Shining, I mean, how I'm sure that even Stephen King never thought when he wrote that it was going to be the one thing that people wherever if you walk down a hall and there's nobody in it I mean I don't know if other people do it but I do I say oh this is like the shining <laughs> you know so I think you know it's something that we all think of sometimes when we get in situations and you look at something and go oh shining you know because it just sticks in our mind We'd all like to have that. I mean, that somebody would say, oh, you know, to be an author, that people, you know, something you wrote sticks in their mind. You know, I think. I Josh, agree. were you going to say something before? I think Josh might, were you going to say something to add in to that? Or? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very old, so old, that when I started taking creative writing classes in high school, and I was like, oh, my God, I love Clive Barker. I love Anne Rice. Like, these are my favorite authors. The teacher, who was a student of Gordon Licious, she just rolled her eyes. It was like, oh, no. Really? I have a weird yeah. kid in here. Yeah, who doesn't yeah. like Salinger? <laughs> and then I had, I got into the writing program at Goddard, and it was almost the exact same, like, oh, a horror writer. Great. Yeah. And, like, so that's actually been my experience has been the exact opposite where um, it's actually been almost confrontational with every writing class I've taken up until I took a class through the Horror Writers Association. And I can't endorse this class enough. It's called Fright Club. Um, and the former, I want to say assistant editor at Pseudopod, and he's written a lot for Rue Morgue. His name is Moner Lawrence. He runs it. And it's amazing. It's an amazing class, also because it's an editor. Because, like, you know, it's one thing like when writers tell you, "Oh, well, this is this will help you get published," but it's another thing when an editor just just tells you, "This is what we're looking for." And I, I found that to be incredibly helpful. But yeah, no, there's there's I I, I I'm old enough to remember kind of like the bigotry towards horror. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, no, I, away, well, that's though. why it's still it's still there. That's why I think Elizabeth, you know how that goes. So, do you want to talk a little well, bit about yeah, that because yeah, that's I, something that occurs a lot. When I mentioned that, when I mentioned that I write horror, I usually get a fascinated response, partly because I don't look like Morticia Adams. I mean, every, <laughs> people have this image of you know what a what a horror writer looks like, and I'm just somebody from a small town in Massachusetts. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. And so that, that's where that goes. Right. Yeah, I think that, you know, and I think that people just, you know, that's why they judge so much. But, I mean, that's why over the years we've been having these shows. But I think that all of the writers that have been on, at least that I've had on, that are horror writers, you know, they're just, they're regular people. <laughs> that's what people don't think, that they're regular, you know. And they mm-hmm. sometimes they don't think they can think comedically or you know something that you know everything is serious but that's not really true because you know some of the writers we've had on and and we don't and that's why you know people really should open up a little and decide you know to maybe you know for 99 cents say oh maybe i should try this so talk about in you know who'd like to start talking about from the depths good cover i like the cover yeah so from the depths, so how did you all get involved in it? Who got, how did you get involved in it? From the depths was like this like fever dream that uh, Jill and myself and um, Brandon Scott had thought up, and we invited a bunch of our friends to come and be in the answer with us because we just wanted to create something that was like a showcase that would I don't know introduce readers to what 
these authors had to had to offer and like at the same time pull deeply from inside them, you know. Yeah. You have to pull. You have to pull it out, right? You, you, and I think most people can probably do that. They don't realize it, you know. Elizabeth, well, um, well, with me, I I was contacted by Jill Girardi because she wanted because she knew that I had just interviewed Ramsey Campbell and wanted to know if if I would if I could possibly ask him if he'd like to write the foreword for the book and and uh, I wrote to him and he said he did. So, you know, I set that up, which was really pretty cool. And then That's great. she asked me if I wanted to submit a story. So I did, and I submitted Weeds, which was, you know, my story in the book. And that's how I met everybody here, which is, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I think, I think, that, I think that's a good thing because there's, you know, and that's a good thing that now you can all hear each other's voices and see what you're like, you know, how you are. Rather than just through an email sometimes. That's why I like to show you can hear about people, you know, and that helps, you know, the readers to want to mm-hmm. pick up your book. When, you know, because this link, you know, I didn't know that I didn't mention this. This link is a live link uh, after the show and for years and years. So you can put it on, you know, your pages so they can hear you, you know, and it's also on iTunes. So. It's out forever. I mean, for a long time. I have shows on iTunes. I don't know. When Black Talk started putting them on iTunes, it's years of shows. So your link is going to be live so they can hear it. And I think people like that, to hear, you know, you on a show. It makes you more real to them, I think. You know, um, it helps. Well, if I go into a convention, it makes, you, uh, makes the writer more real to the readers because you have that personal connection. Do you have questions? I know, Elizabeth, you always have good questions. Do you have any? Um, I'd like to hear from everybody a little bit about their story. Okay. Talk a little bit about it to attract the reader's attention, and then uh, they'll want to pick up the book and finish your story. Wait, so who wants Josh? To yeah, that's a good idea. Josh? <laughs> oh, boy. So um, my... Um, <laughs> My my girlfriend of 11 years was uh, dying of cancer oh. uh, when I got invited sorry. to write for this. I'm and um, it was, thank you. And um, it was uh, like, we knew it was terminal. And when I wrote this, I, I wrote the story as a way to sort my emotions as far as knowing she was dying. The story is actually about this unknown force that's kind of killing people in this New England town and I wanted to write just kind of about the senselessness senselessness of death and you know no matter how much you prepare for it it's it's inevitable and it just is going to happen and that's probably you you can't nobody can really prepare you can't know how you're going to feel unfortunately to help yourself because it just happens and you know that's the grief yeah Big time, and and I I mean I I grieved her extensively. She also didn't want to know. Um, she told her doctors because her doctors was like, she's like she didn't want to know how long she had to live, but you know I'm yeah. a parent, so I have to kind of, uh, you know, have that information for myself. So yeah, it was you know her her expected her life expectancy was two years. She lived two years and eleven days. Wow. Um, so, and she didn't know. Um, I mean, she didn't want to know. I mean, did she knew she wasn't she getting? She didn't. Did she know she was? I mean, what did she have symptoms that she could keep going without knowing? Um, I mean, so she was on chemotherapy for yeah. uh, a year and nine months, and they they told her like look we can't keep you on chemotherapy anymore chemotherapy is going to yeah. kill you if yeah. we keep doing this so i mean that was kind of like and they're like and we need to move you to hospice care mm. so if you look up like the the criteria for hospice care it's you know a person who's got 6 months or less to live yeah um yeah. so it was it, yeah <laughs> sorry, so you've been through not... a lot you've been through a lot so you so that's why writing this was 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 it so it was helpful to you? Was yeah, it? no. Well, that, that's the yeah. thing is, is like I I really believe writing 
should be a process where the writer discovers themselves in their own writing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, I mean, I found a lot of, it helped me to to process a lot of what I was grieving and also just look at like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm hurting this much, but to also be able to put that, you know, because death is always sudden. Even if you know, like, oh my God, two years and that's two years and eleven days. It, it wasn't like, oh, this is easy to deal with. It's like, how is she gone? Yeah. You know, because um, we just want. That's part of the process in and of itself is the denial of death. So, sorry, I don't know. Will you write other things? Answer. Will you want? Are you going to write other things to help you get through this? Or well, I mean, honestly, and and. And I don't mean it to sound cold, um, but the two years building up to her dying, I was grieving it all the time. Right. No, that's not, that's, that, she, a lot of people say that. No, that's true. Right. And then when I've she died, that. it was almost like the catharsis of, of all this mm-hmm. anxiety. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I I, I'm, <laughs> I, I still miss her um, very much so, but it's it's, you know, um, it's very, it, it's hard. Able. It's a very hard process to watch, you know, for the yeah. person that's not having yeah, the disease. It it's it's very hard. So I think that, well, that definitely. Well, we. I'm hoping that through this, you are feeling lighter a little. Oh, a lot. I mean, it's uh, it, you know. I mean, you know, if you can use your art for catharsis, it's just it's so yeah. powerful of a tool. Wow. Um, but yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, I, you know, I, I believe writing should be personal and it, that's, it's funny cause you're saying about like horror, you know, there, there's really good horror is, is horror, but it's usually sometimes romantic or, you know, it has something else to it, more levels than just, Ooh, spooky house, you know? Well, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the case. That's, that's the truth. There's more of a story than just the horror. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. and not to relate it back, but if you take a movie like The Fly, and I'm talking about the uh-huh. Jeff Goldblum one here, that's actually an analogy for watching someone you love die of disease. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's it's well, there's that, right. there's I'm sure that maybe that's surface. how other people. Yeah, see, you don't really know. See, I think that's one of the things that people don't know is they don't really know. They think they know the writer, but they don't always do. You know, they, I'm not was never a big fan of like a like when they take a book and it's a book club and they discuss the writer, you know, as, you know, as part of the book. But, it sometimes, you know, they're, they're talking about the author like they know them, but they don't really know them. They think they know them by what they wrote, but not really. And so, you know, yeah, yeah. they try to analyze what they think the author was going through, but mostly they probably don't have any idea what the author's going through. But they're all sitting around talking. I never liked that, you know, part of it, where they all discuss the author. Because they don't know the author. Yeah, no. You know, yeah, they're making up stuff it. as they go along. They don't know anything. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, you want to talk about your story a little? Yeah, sure. Uh, my story is weeds. And um, I'm an avid gardener. Actually, I work, I'm growing some herbs right now indoors, obviously for winter. Um Mine is about a woman who's trying to deal her little battle with dandelions. And um, it's it's hard to describe because people are having a reaction to these dandelions, like an, an allergic reaction, but nobody knows quite why. And it ends up being much more serious than just your average uh, your average uh, allergy. And you know, we have people ending up in the hospital and you know the main two characters have no idea what's going on, so I mean it's it's pretty tense. It's a it's a biohazard situation, the the way that my 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 story ends up, and uh, yeah, it is it is pretty vivid the way I describe everything in this. Well, next so, time you know, I, I don't look at a dandelion, we'll think about you. What's behind the dandelion? See, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's what that's what makes it so interesting about authors, is that we write about things that, you know, just people wouldn't think. You know, but we all have different things in our head. Mm-hmm. You could take ten people, and each person would write something different about what the well, same I'm incident. I'm a of, uh, of Roundup, you know, the uh, the pesticide, and all the lawsuits against it, and you know, people getting yeah. sick from it, and that sort of thing. So. Uh, 
you know, that that whole image there plays into the story as well. Is that the people are using a, a type of um, pesticide to try to kill the weeds, except that something has gone horribly wrong. Which but is why I've seen that in regular shows where they, you know, they're trying to figure out how somebody died or how they're sick. It's pesticides mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a, not not a good thing. <laughs> I think anybody wants no. to be, you know, yeah, because you're breathing things in too. All right, so Lydia, what about you? Um, my story is uh, called Hunger Hill, and um, you know it brings you through some awful situations uh, in terms of trying to figure yourself out when your your mental state isn't the best, and you can't really trust yourself. Trying to trust other people around you who you know maybe you've never even met before, but um, hopefully they have your best interest. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of like a a head trip in the sense that you go with the character. I'm not sure how better to explain this. <laughs> I'm sorry. So did you have an outline? Did you have an outline, or you just went went for it? I just went for it. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. normally <laughs> outline just because right. like when when stuff comes to me, mm. it just comes to me. <laughs> right. So then you just started the story, and then you did it. Yeah, um, it was. It ended up meaning like a lot though, because I, you know, my main character is uh, going to a halfway house and uh, trying to figure themselves out new so new sobriety, you know, mental mental illness issues, and trying to trying to figure out what what I guess what's next for her, you know. Yeah, because sometimes and we always don't know that, what's next for us. Yeah, that's what happens to people. You don't always know what your next move is. Yeah, definitely. And trying to gauge the the movements and actions of the people around you is, you know, hard under the best circumstances. But when you're already kind of a scattered person, <laughs> it doesn't make it any easier. Right, which a lot a lot of people are. Not you know everybody you know you could look at someone and you really don't know what they're like inside and what's what's happening in their life. You don't really know. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think that that's, yeah, that's, so I think I've had a lot of people on the show that do talk about the fact that they just start the story and then whatever, wherever it's going, it just goes. You know, I don't outline either. You know, I think it's hard to outline because the not characters become real to the writer and it you can't really tell them what to do. They kind of move along in their own space, I think. You know, but, yeah, I agree. You know, that's, yeah, that's what I think. Right, Sonora, what about you? Well, um, my story, Meet Me in the Cemetery, was one that built itself as I was writing it. Um, I had the title in mind, and I was thinking of someone who was missing an important person in their life. And so I, as I started writing, I realized they were left a note to um, meet in their favorite place, which is the local cemetery. And I decided to intercut between that present moment and going back in time. The main character is a man named Cameron, and the past instances that are interwoven with the present is him meeting his girlfriend, Missy. Um, I don't want to give away too much because it does you know, okay. build itself right. up as, right. it, right. as, it, yeah. as you read it. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I enjoy writing about uh, relationships at the center of horror is happening. I enjoy writing about troubled minds and people wondering what's going on, as well as, like, flipping ideas on their heads. So, uh, you know, Jill Girardi had, when she invi- uh, uh, and um, Lydia Prime, you know, mentioned that you want to write something that's kind of indicative of your work and what you write, and I think um, that story... Uh, both intentionally and unintentionally covered a lot of the bases I like to cover in my work. That's so yeah, right. I think that you know, look at. I think it seems like all of you had a particular emotion in mind when you were writing. So I think that that's when you write emotionally. I think people tend to like that because the characters come out, and sometimes people see something in themselves that maybe they like or they don't like when they're reading somebody else's book or somebody they know, you know, which that's always makes for a good story. Does anybody have questions for each other that you want to ask since you've not been with each other? Anybody want to ask each other questions? This is the first time you guys have been together? Nope. Okay. Did I, you, know, you know when you were talking about, 
you know, you would, you know, I don't know if anybody saw um, the Netflix series Made, The Maid, or did anybody see that? No, I heard it was good. You know, it's real. It's it's on Netflix, and it's really good because it's about a woman that she has a lot of things that have happened to her to where she wants to grow and be a different person, and she learns all about herself through the whole series. And it's really good watching it because you're really rooting for her, and she's got a lot of, you know, it was very good because the character you just you you see all the troubles that she's had going along. And you really wanted to, you know, and it was really one of those feel-good at the end where you knew, you know, something good was going to happen to her, but you really don't know how they're going to get there, you know. And it was a very, you know, it was one of those where you could just keep watching it and not getting bored because something new happened. Because there's a lot of times, I'm listening to all of you, but you have a lot in you. So sometimes when you're telling a story, it just comes there. And then you're rooting for the character or not, but you want... When you're getting through that, how do, how do you do the endings for horror? Does anybody want to take that question, or you know, how do you, when you get there, do you know that yes, this is it for me, or do you think there's more to the story that you didn't tell? There's definitely always more to the story that we that I didn't tell, anyways. <laughs> Are you going to do any more? Will you use that character? Can you do that when you have an anthology? Can you use the characters again? Or I didn't know about that oh, yeah. with anthologies. Yeah. So does anybody want to carry out more from the story that they wrote? Um, I personally think think we would leave it on a cliffhanger. (laughs) Yeah, my story is pretty complete. Um, Usually what I find is I'm I'm writing and writing and suddenly realize what the ending is. um, And then just have to stop myself there. It's usually with the longer pieces that my endings have to get trimmed a little bit. And that's usually when my editor is like, you can lose these last couple of paragraphs here. But um, (laughs) it's more taking stuff out of the middle, you know, of their stories. Like, you know, putting in like, well, how much background do I have to put in? Or how much other stuff do I have to put in to explain this ending? But me personally, usually once I reach the ending, it's not hard to turn it off because you know it just tells me that that's the ending it's more getting to the ending it's more difficult because i got to journey through that yeah yeah because sometimes you just know but then sometimes some people you know when they're doing it a shorter piece then they go well i think i want to go more you know carry on with them because they enjoyed writing it so much that they want to use it again you know because it you know coming up with good characters or good situations isn't that easy sometimes for some people you know to once you start a good character sometimes you don't want to let them go elizabeth how do you feel about that if you have you oh, done that already hmm? pardon have you have you thought about doing more with any of your characters you know instead um, of a yeah, single actually, there's some that i've that i've done more with uh, one in particular would be uh, one of my characters in Trailer Trash Zombies. I had extended into another short story for a project that never came to be, which was really sad because I was looking forward to it. But, um, you know, like you were talking about endings, and endings are, are like the bane of my existence because I have <laughs> a really hard time ending a story because uh, it, it, it tends to be anticlimactic or I don't know when to stop it. And um, well, like uh, one story that I have coming out now, it's a Crystal Lake Publishing's Christmas Flash Fiction Contest, and it's called the story's called Snow Job. Um, mm-hmm. It took me forever to figure out how to end the thing, and it turned out that I was continuing it, and to continue it where I where I had originally planned would have made it anticlimactic. So I cut it off, and the ending has one hell of a punch. So it it took me a while to learn how to do that. No, it's like I mean, like yeah. I, I, I used to be really bad with beginnings, and I learned how to write a, a proper hook from Tom Piccarelli, because when he was on Facebook when he was still alive, he used to have um, a little exercise for everybody. He, he would tell people to write their, you know, to write their first sentence or their first paragraph of the work in progress, and then people would go in and comment and vote on people and like this and like that, and because of that, I learned how to write a proper hook which, you know, is really important. 
So now I have it to is important. It is hard, and that is hard. It's very it's hard. It's hard to write. Yeah, very hard. You get him in the got to grab him in the first sentence. But that, and that's like almost impossible sometimes, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, and if you look at some of the older books or other books, you know, it, it doesn't grab you, but they still do well. Yeah, you know, it's, I it's mean, an older style. <clears throat> I mean, you know, some of them, they, yeah. they really ramble on. Yeah. I, I think like the good thing about... The, uh, the opening just grabs yeah. you right away. Yeah, and I think the good thing now is that there are so many different styles and we can independently publish. How does everybody feel about that, independently publishing? Uh, because I think that this is growing and growing and growing, and authors that went with the big publishing houses, they're even doing independent publishing themselves because they have creative control of you know their cover so everything. independent publishing, do you mean self-publishing or publishing with indie well, publishers? Yeah, independent. Well, that's uh, yeah, I don't call it that really anymore because I think when you sometimes when you call it that, people think you just like put it together and threw it out there. Well, which some people probably do, but most of the people that do independent publishing now, and you know, a small publisher, you know, a lot of them unfortunately have. Dissolved. Elizabeth knows that. I mean, she's been writing a long oh, time yeah. with certain people that that just dissolve, you know, and that's what happens. And then the people get their work back, then they have to independently publish it because the publisher went out of business. And they have to redo everything. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Anybody think anything about independence as far as, I, I you know, looking for – it's hard to look for a publisher. Well, I have Jeff. mixed feelings about it because I've seen a lot of people on the lower end of independent publishers, not mm-hmm. self-publishing, be like, oh, let me publish your book for you. And then they take a tremendous percent yeah. out of the gross profit before, you know, like, oh, this is what Amazon's taking. Now, this is what we're taking. And yeah. then they expect the, the author to do all of the publicity work for it, which is kind yeah. of messed up. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, well, right. Even even in the big top goes, publishers now, yeah, no, they're not doing marketing for people anymore as much. They have to market yeah, their own. So, and, yeah, it's a growing problem. Unless you're a big name like Stephen King, you don't get much of a marketing budget in in the big publishers. Yeah. Well, you know, and the other thing is, is artists tend to have this like it's so hard to get acceptance as an artist, to recognize as an artist that unfortunately writers and and creative types in general get like this desperate feeling of like, oh my goodness, I, I need uh, someone to, to validate me, whether it be a record company or a publisher. But the problem is, is, is that, that then we don't have the outlook of what are you going to do for me? It's like, oh, thank you. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't yeah. think like, let me negotiate this contract. It's like, oh, here, signed. Enjoy. <laughs> Well, that's you not know, right. That's not ever right. That is never. I was an agent. That is never a good thing to just sign, you know, because and I'm I'm not big on people giving their rights away. If you independently publish with someone that they just put it all together, the book, and you own all the rights, that's good. But not to give your rights away. It's hard. It's it's a pretty tough thing to give your rights away and not really know who you're dealing with. You have to be you have to be careful. That's really what happens. You know, you can't just do things because you don't, you can't trust a lot of people. You know, but what you were saying before, Josh, is the fact of getting a, getting a certain audience together, which I think is probably, if, you're, if you want to really have your fans and have them spread the word, that's not a bad idea these days because word of mouth works, like Elizabeth said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of more why we buy stuff. I mean, word of mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Amazon, you know, the problem with the ratings with Amazon, which I talk about a lot, is just unfair and completely, you know, I mean, if you give your book free, let's just say, then your ratings go really like your number one, two, three, then all of a sudden you don't, then all of a sudden it goes down to reality. So, but, and I do think most people that are reading, I, I, I don't know if this is a good statement or not, but I'm just making it where they don't really care who the publishers are. They want to read a good book and they mm-hmm. have a good story. They don't care. We I, as authors I know say, different publishers. Go ahead. 
I will say in terms of self-publishing, they do care about that, but they also want it to look professional, like just for oh, anyone yeah. listening. Yeah, right. thinking about exactly. it. Yeah, because, you know, we all like to say, oh, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but we also all do it. That's just probably the yeah. – so I would say, like, yes, at the end of the day, readers want to just read a good story. That's what matters. But there yeah. is, like, a marketing component that – needs to tell yes. people it's going to be a good story, at least make them, you know, think it will be. <laughs> no, that's right, though. No, that's true, yeah. though. I think you have to have a, you have to have it edited. You have to have it formatted yeah. right. I mean, you have good. to have a good cover, and you have to figure out your description, and you have to go market it. But it it has to look right. You're, you're right. You cannot, because when I, when I say about self-publishing, when you say that, people think if you're independently, which is a form, it's, you are when you're publishing it independently, you are because you're doing what you want, you know, but yeah, somebody's maybe formatting and putting it on Amazon valuable, or whatever. One of the most valuable lessons I got at classes I used to take that talked about is, uh, self-publishing because the woman who ran the classes, her husband is a fantasy author who has both done both traditional and independent publishing. And, yeah. um, and she was saying the best thing you can do, even though this does require monetary investments on the author's part, is you got to yeah. make it look indistinguishable from something you'd buy in a bookstore. Um, like make it look like a professional book. And so, oh, you know, and there's a lot of components yeah. about that that I could get into on and on and on. But, yeah, like that's the main thing is like make it so that someone, at least at first glance, can't tell that it's, self-published because I don't think you can tell you don't I don't think you can tell now who's independently published a lot of times because the covers are good and the formatting is good and especially in an audio book even if there's a couple of mistakes you won't know that because people are listening to it you know but yeah I mean the tools are very accessible now I think yeah yeah now they are yeah but they weren't that's yeah. why when I, I say, mean, I if you say self-publishing, people think, you know, because years ago they think you just pasted the book together and, you know, you know, glued it together and threw it out there. And maybe they did then, you know, but now well, I remember they really back in the are day when they looking. called that vanity publishing. Yeah, yeah. But see, I've always thought vanity publishing was more like you pay someone to do it for you and then you don't really get any profits. Like, that, that'd be like, you know paying someone else to do it because you do have to watch out for vanity presses like they yeah. don't charge you a lot of money to publish your book oh, yeah. and you should not be paying you should not you be have to watch out for a lot of that because right people are charging enormous rates for a lot of things even to be on radio shows you know they want yeah. you know I, I've gotten mm-hmm. calls and they it's like two thousand dollars or so I go like are you kidding me <laughs> Like mm-hmm. maybe you should look me up and realize I do shows and nobody pays, but I'm going to pay someone two thousand dollars. That's a lot of money to be on a radio show. You know, that's a lot of money. Yeah, like they're going to, you know. But that's what they like do that, out I'll, there. So you do have to. You're right about that. You have to be very careful, and that's why that's really when word of mouth counts. But you got to trust the person you're asking. That's the other thing. Because mm-hmm. you know you can't just let anybody do it for you. Because then, you know, but you should, if you do independently publish, just make sure you have the rights so when it's on Amazon, you're done with whoever put it out there for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what you could do. You do the book with someone, they, you know, set it up and they put the cover together and it looks good and then that's it. You pay them for that service yeah, just like you and then you're them, done with them. You pay them, them the one fee and then that's right. it. Right. And that's it. And then you never talk to, you know, it's whatever. You know, um, because I think that's what, because you do have to be careful now. You know, not that you always didn't, but I mean, you really do now because a lot of these companies do, they are falling to the ground. They're done, you know. And even some of the ones that in the other, you know, even 10 years ago that started out, they're gone. I mean, I know a lot of them that have been on this show that they had to close because it costs a lot of money to be a publisher and they can't compete you know, with with what's going on out there, because it is expensive. A lot of the most, the newer ones, the ones that are basically people operating out of their houses, they underestimate how much work is involved with running a publishing house. It's a lot. I I noticed that with some of the small presses, it's um, a couple of people that 
got a start as writers, and they decided they wanted to branch off into publishing, but they have no publishing right. experience. And, I mean, I ran into that with uh, one publisher that one of mine had folded last year. It, was even, it wasn't even around for a year. And it's the one that yeah. published my fairy tale, my, my fairy tale co- collection. Yeah. And um, yeah. it folded. It folded the same weekend that I got three rejections, and I didn't write anything for almost six months after that. But um, yeah, it's That's, uh, yeah. I'd say like, yeah. wait if a, if a company is new, wait until wait for about three to five years yeah. to see if you know if they have the staying power. Because once your book is published, it's considered in print. And it would be a reprint after that, no yeah. lot harder. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Now, I was going to ask a question about you know, what I don't know that they have a plan to do. This is, you know, your stories in an audio book. But I was thinking, like, I'm wondering why a lot of the anthologies aren't because I think they would be really good to put it on audibles, you know, because you don't, you know, it's a fifty-fifty that, you know. Uh, we actually were looking into that, but um, honestly, <laughs> I told everybody, uh, you know, Elizabeth and Nora and, and Josh and everything. I've just personally gotten super busy with uh, my day job. So yeah, because it's, oh, because it's really because I have all my books it. on Audible, and what you do is just put the book out there and um, on Audible because it has to be on from Amazon, and then you put it out and you do a fifty-fifty where the narrator gets 50 and the writer or writers get the rest of it but it's a good it's a good thing especially stories would be really good because then it's like a cutoff you read listen to one story then you then next time you know you might listen to the other i love audiobooks i think it's really good and i think audibles you know the problem at the beginning when i signed with audible which is many years ago i was afraid because i had to sign a contract that was like seven years but then I thought, if Amazon goes out of business, then we're all done. So I might as well just forget it. So I signed, you know, mm-hmm. and Audible, it's still going on. You know what I mean? So I think I wouldn't want to sign a contract with somebody that I, you know, another audio place because I feel like I don't like to sign year contracts for a lot of years. But I felt that was safe with, you know, Amazon because that's most people know what Amazon is. And you can't go on Audible unless you, your book is there. So I think your your stories would be, I think this would be great on an Audible book. I think it would do well. Yeah, it's not, right, and it's not really, I, you do it yourself, it's not really that hard. You just put it out there and then people audition for it. And you don't, and if you do the 50-50, it doesn't cost any money from to put, to put out. That's awesome. So I like okay. it, you know, that way. Because it's expensive to get an audio book. You know, everything is expensive. You know, that's the thing. But, you know, you're a group, so that sometimes makes it difficult. But I do think this type of book would be really good read by a really good narrator, and there's really great narrators out there. So I think that would be great for you guys. Yeah, okay. so, does everybody want to say their links? Is there anybody want to say anything else? Elizabeth, anything else you want to add to this? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Okay, um, just letting you know what my upcoming stuff is. I have okay. Sleep Terror, which appears in Need Help uh, Soonish, the 2021 Fark Fiction Anthology. And my my big one is uh, I'm a finalist at the Crystal Lake Publishing's Christmas Flash Fiction Contest for my story Snow Job. And there's voting and commenting allowed. And you have it's a Patreon page to go to read the story. And my story goes live on I believe December 16th. Yeah, it goes, it goes live on the 16th. And it's Patreon CLP. So that's a way to find that, and I also have a. And Elizabeth, if you this. send me send me these links, and so I will send you the, the links and everything. Yeah, send me the links, and then I'll put it in a you know I'll put it out there. I think that's a, would be a good thing for people to do, which they're not doing that much sharing. Like they, sh- it, it's really nice to share. And I, mm-hmm. Josh, I hope your group shares for you, because that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that matters. Um, All, you but, could get a, a million but, likes, but then they don't, that's nothing. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, no, I, I agree that, but like, you know, I mean, they need to convert the sales. Um, 
which but, is hard, um, which is not easy. Let's put it. Let's be. It's not easy. It's hard. But this is one oh. message for people out there. Listen, if you don't have, if you're not making a million dollars, that's okay. Just keep writing, and you're, you know, and the more you write, the better it is. But most writers do not make millions of dollars. So if you don't mm-hmm. enjoy this and, you you know, don't do it to think you're going to be making money. That is really not what happens. You know, we we all want to make money, but you also have to be satisfied with what you put out there. Yeah. Because it's going to be out yeah, there forever. Yeah, I think what yeah. also a lot of people uh, should realize, another thing I've learned from the class as well as just, you know, being in writing and publishing is most of the time when authors earn a lot of money, it's on the advance and very rarely on the royalties. And, you know, the, you yeah. kind of become the chicken and egg thing where the advance is usually based on previous sales or, or marketability. Right. Exactly. You know, that's another right. thing to remember. It's very rare that you have, you know, to bring up Stephen King again, people uh, like him who don't have a day job. I mean, most, yeah. you know, writers I've heard of that are working today, they have, they usually have teaching jobs or some kind of day yeah. job. So right, right. Nothing wrong with that. Some of us are, some of us are <laughs> ghost writers, but I can't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I wish is I that what you do? You do that? Yeah, that's a good thing. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> I hope they promote you. I hope they promote you. (laughs) (laughs) At least they could promote you, right? Did you think? (laughs) I can't talk about it. (laughs) I know. That's what happens. I know. It's secret. I know. It's okay. It's okay. Some things you cannot talk about, especially on the radio. (laughs) Don't do that. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. Elizabeth, you gave yours. Sonora, you want to give some of your uh, what's coming up and. Oh, coming up? Well, um, right now, uh, the main project coming up is that uh, Nico Bell and I are accepting submissions for a fat positive horror anthology called Diet Riot. So this is the last month to get those in. So submissions are trickling in. They close on December 31st, and then we'll be reading in January and hopefully getting um, acceptances and rejections out in March. So if you have a story idea, you, if you find both of us on Twitter, you'll see information about Diet Riot on our profiles, and we'll be tweeting about it throughout the month, especially as we get closer to the deadline to make sure people don't miss it. So that's the main thing, uh, just working on that. You know, just and I'm happy to share any links that you send me. I'm happy to share. You know, it's hard to find things out, you know, because sometimes I don't see what I should see, and you don't see it either. I mean, we do not see all of our post you know and yeah and that's bad it wasn't like this because i you know i don't know how long everybody's been writing or whatever but it, when we i first started doing shows people would share things but now you don't know if they're sharing or not and don't look it's and it, it, see if it's shared because you don't know because you i don't know if some people even see who's sharing it you know they don't even they used to put down how many shares you have but i don't really think that works either now so I'm happy to share if you just send me the link. You know, I'm, okay, I'm happy yeah. to share it because I think that that's really a good thing, but I know that it's not what's happening out there. You know, that I know. So I could, I'm happy to share it. So Diet Riot, that's it. So you, do you have a Facebook page for that too? No. Um, just, not yet. Okay, just goes through you. website that we've been linking to on Twitter. Oh, okay. All right, that's good. Yeah, the links work, I mean, to other people, but, it, but, you know, it's just who sees it and how many people they share it to, which is, it's hard to get people to share. Or even, mm-hmm. they don't even want to like now because they don't want to be involved in anything. <laughs> that's what happens. But it, it's nice. I mean, I don't think people realize how much we all appreciate it. I appreciate when anybody shares something, but I don't think people understand how much it means to all of us for somebody to share. And it just takes it's a like second the to do. It's the most helpful thing that you can do for free for, for pretty much anybody who's a content creator or yeah. just a creator. And it would be nice if people, right, it's nice to share, you know, that way. So did, yeah. is that it now is that you got yours out? Okay, Josh? Okay, so I've got my first uh uh, short story collection uh, that I'm probably putting out in the next two weeks. 
It's called Nine Horror Stories, the sequel. Um, I don't have a link yet, but I'm <laughs> but I'm working on it, uh, only okay. because I am self-publishing that through Amazon. Okay. And uh, of course, I've also recently been published in From the Depths. <laughs> how long? How was it good being uh, Amazon? Did it was it easier for you? I mean, did they help you a lot? Oh, I didn't use them at all. Um, I have a graphic designer and an editor that I'm using personally. Oh, so you personally. just then they're just putting it out, right? So you did this all. Yep. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I I want as much profit coming to me as possible. Likewise, you know, right. <laughs> I could just get a publisher to sit on their hands for it for me. <laughs> right. Right. No. So. Well, listen. There, there's one thing that's really true that you really they're not helping their authors. So the most we can all do for ourselves is best. No matter yeah. who it's published by, it's really 100%. true. One hundred percent. Yeah, All right. uh, Lydia, I don't think you gave yours, right? Um, <clears throat> I uh, I don't really have anything super like solid coming up right now. I am working on attempting to write my first kind of book sort of thing because I've never done like a super long cohesive story and. Um, that is pretty much what's happening for me. Okay, uh, so we hope for more. Then we'll have that. more from you. Right. You just keep going. <laughs> Look, this is the thing. You just keep going. Yeah. yeah. This is the best way to, the, the best thing to do is to get yourself out is to just keep writing. I think that's the best advice that anybody can give anybody is just keep writing. And we're all, we're all very <laughs> critical of our own work. I'm terrible on my work. I'm very critical. So um, maybe I should say where they could find me. I might be a good idea. You can find me at MarciaCasperCook.com. And I am an author, and I was an agent, and I'm a screenwriter, and I love doing the shows. So, you know, it's it's always interesting. And anybody that's on my shows, feel free to come on again if you, have, you want to talk about anything or if you see a show that you might be interested in, some of the things that we're talking about, or, you know, um, just be on a show with other guests. You know, that's fine with me. You know, just let me know. You know, and I'm I'm happy. Just email me. And uh, we will be starting out, uh, I don't think I mentioned this, my young adult. We're going to be having a lot of, um, Kristen, uh, Lindsay, Hager, and I did a show a few weeks ago. And we're going to be having shows in January, starting in January, about some of the issues of stress and um, why we should be indiv- individuals and not try to be like everybody else and try to be happy with who we are because I think the kids now are kind of suffering a lot, the teens and the young adults, on all the things that have been happening in the world and they have a lot of issues going on. So we're going to talk to them and probably I'd like to have it an open you know, where they people can call in so if they want to talk about it. Because I think we really have a lot of kids out there that need to have, you know, they have a lot of stress. It's a very stressful time. I think we all agree on that as adults, you know, and imagine how the kids have felt now. So I think that those are the things coming up. And anything else anybody wants to say before we call it a night? Happy holidays to everybody. And I want all of you to please keep in touch. Keep in touch. I would like to hear about your careers and just for you to come back and do things on the show. And Elizabeth, you know that it's always possible. I'm glad. It's been a long time, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Keep coming back, you know. But you're busy now, so that's a good thing. Very busy. Mm-hmm. All right. So everybody sounds like they've got, they got their work cut out for them. Sounds easy, like right? <laughs> One, two, three, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I know it's not that easy. All right, thank you all for being on the show, and um, thank you. It's been fun. And so, feel free to always thank email me with your links. Show. I'm fine. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.